Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Nowhere to Go But Up podcast. I'm your host, Sean Dustin. Today, we are talking with Rob Kelly, who is a PhD out of the UK, specializing in addiction, trauma, and uh, other forms of, uh, and, uh, and other, you have a PhD in something else, but I'm going to let you go ahead and uh, and tell everybody about that. How you doing, Rob? Doing good, man. Thanks, Sean, for having me on. Yeah, Dr. Rob Kelly, they call me the addiction doctor. Uh, I work with alcoholics and drug addicts and, and patients with trauma. Um, I'm going to start off right now by blowing everyone's mind. That alcohol has 1% to do with alcoholism and the same with drugs. So it's mostly trauma. So I have a second PhD in behavioral science. So between the both of them, uh, we treat patients. We have a 97% success rate with over 7,000 patients. And we have four offices around the world. And it's great to be here tonight. Yeah, that's awesome. And, I, and I'm, I'm, of the same mind i dove into this when i started my nonprofit, and uh i or when i was thinking about starting a nonprofit, and i got it off the ground but what i wanted to do was something different i didn't want the the model of you know the 30 60 90 day treatment model that doesn't deal with anything that has to do with the main problem which is the behavior that got you there to begin with and and so i went and i i i've been through um uh, what does they call that? Therapeutic communities when I was younger, right? Mm-hmm. And I went and I visited one called the Other Side Academy in uh, Utah, and they have that same model. And everything is based on behavior, not not drugs and alcohol. Those are the symptoms of the problem. Exactly, and that's what we that's what we found over the last you know thirty years or so. We've been discovering it more and more <clears throat> we found out that you know like depression for instance we we don't we don't actually treat depression no, no doctor treats depression no medical doctor treats um they might give you an ssr because serotonin isn't being released uh, but they don't treat what the depression is that could be anything from diet exercise and mindset but uh no in fact no medication this is from gary brecker i was speaking to the other day who's a microbiologist um really treats anything you know he just he, he, depression knee arthritis you know it doesn't actually treat the cause root of the problem so we did that way that well we call this an addiction and we did find that trauma is the gateway drug so once once we once we go through that model and um re, remap the brain is what we do remap the central nervous system the behavioral the, the surroundings then alcoholism is usually gone from day one when you come on board with us so we do have a 90-day program but not the traditional 90-day it's uh, it's one hour a day. That's all for ninety days because we reset uh, ideas and information and research in the past still say that it's around ninety days for chemicals to reset in in the brain properly. But uh, yeah, we love what we do because we do what we love. Yeah, I, it it's amazing when you start digging into it. When I. Uh... <clears throat> I, I often would say the same thing that you do, that trauma is the gateway drug, because you look at everything that the people in the prison systems, you think, look at the people in gate in, in you know, homeless, all of these different areas. And the one thing that most of these folks have in common as is un, untreated trauma. And with untreated trauma, it, it spins out in all different directions of, of uh, dysfunction. And it's just, yeah, it's just people that, that are, that are, don't know how to deal with the, the dysfunction that they've, you know, and, and the, the behaviors that go along with it, which are 
turn into addictions because these behaviors are, are things that you just continue to do over and over and over again. You're like on a rinse, repeat, rinse, repeat cycle. <clears throat> exactly. And that thing, the thing to remember is alcoholics are made, uh, sorry, born and drug addicts are made. So alcoholics, predisposition, passed down from generation. You can trace it back. If you can't trace it back through your family, you may just be a heavy drinker. So do some research there. Drug addicts are different. 95% of heroin addicts has come through my practice, started in the doctor's office. So there's the big difference then. But going back to the trauma, one of the reasons why we don't treat it, one of the reasons why it spins out of control is we have to define trauma. And that's kind of what we've done over the last 10 years of research, uh, all the medical fraternity, not just us, to find out that with alcoholics, for instance, because it's a predisposition trauma, it looks a lot different to the normal person. And the only way I can describe this sometimes is, is saying this. Me and my brother were stood on the kitchen table one day. We're not supposed to be on the kitchen table. We're about nine years old. In walked my mom, and she said to both of us, well, you get down off that table, you stupid idiot. Get down. My brother jumped off, and I froze. What I'd heard is, get down off that table, you stupid idiot. Because I have more self-sabotage in your pathways than I do self-care in your pathways. And once I carry on down that road, my hypothalamus, which is the fight or flight part of the brain, it tells us to eat food and drink water. Well, with the alcoholic, after a certain period of time of drinking um, and, and from going from heavy drinking to alcoholism, it tells the alcoholic to drink alcohol. That's why alcoholics can go weeks and days and months without even eating food or drinking water. I did it myself when I was homeless which really made me think. And then you got the basal ganglia. That's the repetition, strengthen, and confirms model of the brain. Well, mine is broken because I was born this way. So part of mine, wherever that little chink is, says self-sabotage. And because I got a predisposition a disposition to alcohol, that's what I do. I drink alcohol. It all goes to shit. I come out with that all remorseful, and the cycle continues until, continues until two things happen. One, we die, which I've done on two occasions when I was homeless, and they brought me back to life. Or two... You get with someone who knows what the hell they're talking about. Because that was my biggest thing, Sean, especially when I was on the streets, is nobody knew what it just – hey, have you tried AA meetings? C come on. Is that all we've got in the medical fraternity? My doctor says, I think you're an alcoholic because you drink too much. What? <laughs> drink? You can't drink yourself if you're becoming an alcoholic. Ten DUIs don't make you an alcoholic. But that's, that's all I was hearing because that's the evidence-based. And, and the other thing is, Sean, is there's no money in recovery. No one's going to research like we – why should they do it? Put the pharmaceutical companies out of business. Ah, not happening in America. Mm -hmm. and, and all the doctors are, ah, ain't happening. And, you know, it's not going to happen. So we find these revolving doors that we stepped into, and we said a couple of things, Sean, which shook the world. First of all, we said, hey, the model you're using right now is broken. It's been broken for at least 15 to 20 years that we know of. So why don't we come up with a program that's guaranteed? Dr. Rob, you can't do that. Well, this is what we do. We'll give you a money-back guarantee if you relapse after continuing our program. 90 days, if you relapse, practicing what we've taught and carry on with our methods, we will refund your money. Nobody in the world does that because mm -hmm. like you said, and I love what you said, it's that spin, repeat, wash kind of thing. I, mean, what, I get it I say, all the time. People call me up, you know, I've been into such and such a treatment seven times. Seven times? And you've paid every time? 30000 a month. Shame on you. What the fuck are you doing out there? 
You know, just when you put a big sign on the front saying, we'll take all the insurance we can get, and then we'll take all your cash we can get, then you go out and drink and, and use, because there's really nothing we can do here. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay, I'm stepping off my soapbox now. No, no, you're you're absolutely right, and you know I've been I went to a couple of those, and you know one was it started out as six months and turned into eighteen months, because uh, unfortunately it wasn't about time, it was about progress, and I wasn't making any progress, so they kept me there until I figured out how to surrender to win, um, <laughs> which that's another foreign concept that people don't understand is, you know, you have to surrender ex- everything that, that you believe and everything that you think and buy into this, yeah. to the fact that, that you can change and that you are, you know, worth it, worth changing. You know what I mean? You got to change those narratives in your head. And, and that's the most important thing. And then, you know, AA, they do have their place, you know, the they 12 do. step, the 12 I'm, step. I'm, a, I'm an AA guy. I've got to tell you yeah. now, but I'm not an AA guy that you see normally. If you, if you go to Alcoholics Anonymous, you find yourself a group that's big book based going back to the early days when there's 100% success rate. I go in meetings now, I'm embarrassed to be there. Some of the shit that I hear in them, you know, it's like, mm-hmm. what does that book say we all read? Because I, I've spent 24, 25 years in schools and colleges, universities to get the education that I needed to do what I do today. And I've got to tell you, Sean, the best piece of literature I've personally ever read pertaining to the alcoholic and the recovery of... Is the first one six four of that book. It's absolutely talk about a neural pathway changing back in 1938. What the hell is that about? How did they know? The medical fraternity only 10 years ago said, Hey, neuroplasticity, we can change the way people think and we can remold the brain. These guys had this back in 1938, so they were onto something, and the readings are phenomenal. But you know, nobody can get me well unless I want to get me well, yeah. And, and, no, that, and that's where we draw a line as well, Sean. You know. We, we see people going to treatment centers all the time. And there's some brilliant treatment centers out there, guys. Don't get me wrong. But you have to pass an assessment here. You, have, you, don't, you can't pay for our services. I'm the guy that turned Britney Spears down for a million dollars in Dallas. It's like she wasn't ready. Two days later, she's shaving her hair off. We don't do this for the money. But I truly believe if you do the right thing at the right time, then we don't have to worry about money. You know, You have to be in this for the right reason. And nothing more disgusts me for those people who are not. And again, that's your business. If there is a hell or heaven, I'm just saying. Yeah. Well, you, you know, there's been charlatans from, from, you know, day one, you know, there's always somebody trying to remove you from your, or the, you know, remove you from your money. Mm. You know, if you're gullible enough to, to, you know, fall for it. Um, AA got me sober, uh, gave me time and distance from the substance. Uh, which mine was methamphetamine. Yours is alcohol. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it wasn't NA, but it, it, it did what it needed to do. And then I had to break away from it because I just didn't like the the clickiness. And it just reminded me of high school and, you know, whoever's whoever can speak the most eloquently and it's always the same people talking. And it's like, you know, you just get tired of hearing, you get tired of hearing it. And so I, I had to, to exit that, but, you know, I found other things to, to help me, you know, build those different neuro pathways and change the behavior by hanging around with, um, a different set of people, uh, you know, and, and creating new things and new, new reward, reward centers in my brain for different, uh, for more healthy, healthy activities. It's his way, his way, uh, alcoholics. 
I want to say alcoholics. I mean, all addicts really, but alcoholics fall down. And I hope you guys are watching, not listening here. Let's say this is a neural pathway. There are billions in the head, but let's say this is the one for, let's say, driving a car. Okay, so out it comes, learn how to drive a car, away you go, people teaching you, then all of a sudden you take your test and then you really start to learn how to drive. Now you can back out the driveway, talking to your mom, waving to the wife, speaking to the girlfriend at the same time, because the neural pathway has been solidified and it's great. But you know, if I went to another country back home for 12 months, what happens to the left hand wheel and the right hand is when I come back, I have to start this all this new learning curve again. So it might take me a day, an hour, a month just to make sure I'm on the right side of the road. And there we go, solidified. Here's what happens with uh, self-sabotaging your pathways regarding alcoholism and addiction. So we get them predisposition. We drink and we drink, self-sabotage. We drink and we drink and we self-sabotage. Now we want to get sober. So off we go, 90 days, six months, even a year to get sober. See what happens? Mm-hmm doesn't move. It doesn't do this like knowing your pathways. It does this. Therefore, when people come and go, oh, my God, it was just like a drop to drink yesterday, and it's been two years now, because this doesn't diminish. Self-sabotaging your pathways around alcohol will stay there, and you could have five years off. But sooner or later, if you don't do anything about the whole spiritual thing and the moving forward and a program that, that looks pretty good to you, then you're going to relapse if you're mm. the real deal. And when you relapse, this neural pathway is strong waiting for you guys. You don't get a week or a month to learn how to drink again. You go bang there from day one and you'd be done within a couple of hours, a couple of days. Yeah, that's why uh, heroin addicts have such a high death rate when they relapse because mm. they go back immediately <coughs> to using the amount that they last left off with. And a lot of times they have their body hasn't had a chance to reacclimate and build up that tolerance and then just bam that's it it's done Done. yeah so i have a question a question for you about your uh your your story um what was the uh you know that that bottom you know everybody every addict always gets this question what was that turning point what was the where was the light you know for you then and at your deepest most darkest point and what was your point of nowhere to go but up Uh, i've lost my children I stabbed my wife three times one night in the house because she wanted me to finish drinking. I came home from Spain after the murder charge was dropped. Uh, she left with the children. I uh, got my children back real quick the next day with my great attorney. Uh, unfortunately, though, I just I thought I could drink as well as looking after them. So three days later, when the police kicked the door down and the kids hadn't been fed for two days or changed diapers for two days, age one and three, the wife left. Six months after that day, I was sat on the street homeless. 40 months later, of beaten, battered, fighting, surviving every single day, so I didn't die. 14 months later, I'm walking down the back ends of Manchester, England. It's pouring down with rain. There's all factories and businesses. There's not a human being in sight. I dropped down to my hands and knees and I was sobbing like a baby. I remember looking up to the sky and he's all I said, <clears throat> if there's a God up there, can't do this on my own anymore. 30 seconds later, a guy walked around the corner. He had a little Bible in his hand. I'd been molested by my priest, so I wasn't going there, but he had a Bible in his hand. He said, do you want help? And I said, yes. And there started my journey to where I am today. And how, how many years ago was that? It was a long time ago. I'm yeah. really big on, on you know, sobriety dates because um, they don't mean anything to me. You know, if you if you want to celebrate, great, one, two, three years. But when I first got into 12-step work with a with a sponsor, I had 29 years. He put sleeping tablets in my coffee and raped me. 
So not big on the years. Look at me, I've got this. You should tell when I walk in the room that I'm, I've got that shit going on. I've had the spiritual awakening, psychic change. Therefore, my DNA has changed. Why is that important? Say, man, I'll drink again. And let's go back to that book real quick. Everything has to change. If your DNA doesn't change, you're done for. So I have to be really careful. So <clears throat> I never give my sobriety out. There's, there's no point. But it was a long, it was like, it was tens and tens of years ago, Sean. Yeah, yeah. Back in the well, 80s. Well, you know the saying, if nothing changes, nothing changes. You can't expect exactly. something different if you're doing the same thing over and over and over, expecting a different result. What do they call that? Insanity. Insanity. Yeah. Right. Well, we did a bit of research on that, doing the same things over and expecting a different result. We have a different take on that with our research, which is so true. The definition of insanity is me not being able to see my own truth. Because when I was in that madness, I didn't know I was in that madness. I just thought I was going through some bad luck. I never once thought for a second is where's the million pounds gone? Where's the two kids gone? Where's my house, my car, my businesses, my holiday home, practice it? Where's all that? Never thought that for a second. I just thought I was going through a bad time and everything would be okay. And of course, alcohol, every single minute of the day I was drinking, you know? So yeah, it's, um, it's, it's complete and utter madness. So when people come up to us today, which is really cool, because I've done, I've done a lot in my life and I've been through a lot with alcoholism. I like drugs as well, you know, cocaine and, and uh, speed. But uh, they all go, well, Dr. Rob, what do you know about homelessness? Look at you. And I say, sit down. Let me tell you about my story. Mm-hmm. What do you know about blah, 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 stabbing your wife, beating somebody up out of a nightclub, you know? Or they're dying. Well, you know about suicide. Well, I died twice from suicide. And they brought me back round on a stinky old rainy road. And it's got all these things that I've gone through to make me the person I am today. It's like, you know, it's crazy how we're, how we're brought through this stuff. But yeah. I, again, you know, if, 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 you, if you're hit, here's how the mind works. If you're sat at home now thinking that you're never good enough, you're never going to amount to anything, you're drinking because you're depressed, I want to apologize to you. Somebody's put that there. We are born with million dollar minds. Why are you hanging around 10 cent minds? Our mirroring part of the brain will take you to a different place in your life. But you see, Remember when we was kids kicking a we used to kick a football round, you know. What do you want to be, Johnny? You want to be an astronaut? What about you, Billy? I want to be an accountant. What happened to them dreams? I'll tell you. Your friends and family kicked the crap out of them. That's what they did. And then they decided mm. to re- reset your life out. Well, you're supposed to get married at 19, have five kids, go to the pub every Friday. I didn't want that, you know? Mm. So I took the breaks of my imagination. Quantum physics tells us that I can do anything and be anybody that I want as long as I can visualize it, that I can walk over and take that position. And we do a lot of mentoring with CEOs and, and uh, actors who want to get back into the huge acting names. You want to get back into the game, footballers, musicians, whatever it is. That visualization is that you were there once, so you can visualize this again. And even if you haven't, you can visualize it. The mind is so powerful, it's unreal of what we think and what we think not. And somebody said to me once, if you think you can do it or you don't think you can do it, you on two occasions, you're right both times. <laughs> yeah, that's a good. That's a good one. And that's why placebo effect is so so powerful. Oh, don't you get me started on that, Sean? You know, what I, mean? I know, I know. It's, it's crazy. There's some things you just can't explain. Uh, are you up for a joke? Let's go. An, an addiction joke. Let's go. All right. What's the difference between a alcoholic and a meth addict? Don't know. An alcoholic will steal all your shit and take off. A meth addict will steal all your shit and help you try and find it. <laughs> so true. <laughs> so true. <laughs> in so, the carpets. <laughs> right. I've done that myself. Mm-hmm. Pretty dirty. 
Um, so I, I, have, I have a question about some of these new uh, treatments that are coming out um, with, you know, psilocybin and, mm. um, you know, THC. Uh, I, I use that to get off of opiates. I used uh, uh, edibles to, to help wean, you know, the, 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 the part after that's the most uncomfortable where you feel sick, you know, even when you wean yourself down, you still go through a little bit of that. And the, uh, the edibles really help kind of make, make the transition off, you know, and that was seven years after 18 years of meth addiction mm. and, and thank the medical system. Cause they said, well, we, we know you're an addict, but if you just sign right here and release us of reliability, uh, <laughs> yeah. of liability of you getting addicted, you can go ahead and take these pills. Yeah, I mean, I, I love stuff like that for a taper. As long as it's a taper, we're good. If you go back and do your research, guys, any drug addicts at home now are clean and sober, and you've tried all the, all the methadone and all that stuff, you do your research on that, and you'll find out it's harder to get off than it is the actual substance. Their, their brain is no difference between a street drug and a medical drug. Don't be fooled about that. It doesn't. Just because a doctor puts you on something says it'll be okay, question that doctor. Question him. Because the, the medical fraternity right now are in big, big trouble over this writing prescriptions out left, right, and center. But as a taper with a plan and a program, all day long, man, all day long, you know. Especially yeah, yeah. boxing. Yeah, I hate boxing, Sean. I hate it with a vengeance. Yeah. Um, but if it's a taper to get you through them first couple of days or weeks or even a couple of months, but it's, it's a, it, there's an end result and an end date there, mm-hmm. bring it on, man. Bring it on all day long. Now, Suboxone's a pharmaceutical. What are your thoughts on, on THC? <clears throat> The same kind of thing. I mean, you know, we heard about a California sober and all that crap we hear. If, if you're, if you're an, a, a born addict, uh, sorry, a, a bred addict who's picked up this bad addiction that can't stop, you have to start, ask yourself one question. Can you treat drug addiction with a drug? Can you treat alcoholism with a beer instead of whiskey? I mean, it's all that kind of stuff. And what you want in life. It's mm-hmm. very hard to distinguish the real drug addict and the real alcoholic. And this is where we fall down in this country is we're all quick pointing fingers. Yeah, you're taking that so you can't be clean. The guy taking that might not be a real, real uh, drug addict. He mm-hmm. might be a heavy user and this stuff he's taking is bringing him off and he's got a great life. So we can't be wagging fingers unless you know the definition of a drug addict and mm-hmm. what it is inside here that's going on in the central nervous system. And we fall down in this country pointing fingers, especially in, you know, NA, you know, mm-hmm. and CA and stuff like that. It's like, oh, he's on prescription drug. Listen, man, you're not a microbiologist. When the, when the fuck did you go to medical school? Don't be starting <laughs> telling people that, you know, leave. It's none of your business what they're on. But you find that once we're pointing out, no one's looking at me. I'm the loudest person in the room going, yeah, you shouldn't be doing that. Yeah, you're not really clean. And what am I doing is I'm sneaking beers behind your back and getting drunk every week, but turning up for meetings, looking good. Mm, the old projection, the old projection exactly. trick that most of us narcissists and toxic oh, yeah. people, uh, you know, that's what we use. It's a defense mechanism, really, is what it is. Yeah. It's, it's meant to take the take the light off of me and throw it right back onto you. And, you, and we see this all the time. Are you familiar with Clubhouse? No, really? No. Oh my God! What do you mean, Clubhouse? You mean the app? Yeah, the app. Clubhouse. Oh yes, sorry, yes. I the audio. Yeah. So, yeah, I am. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that there's a lot of there's there's a lot of interesting rooms that go on in there, and if you, I mean, there's a dark side of Clubhouse, and then there's the the good side of Clubhouse, and man, don't get in that dark side, boy. It's a it's a full of full of uh, dysfunctional behavioral type yes. of people. Yes. 
Uh, there was one more thing I, I wanted to ask you before we're at 23 and we we're trying to wrap this up at 30. Um, what? Ah, damn, I forgot. What was it? All right. So what about psilocybin as, you know, they're coming through a lot of different studies now and they're finding that through the Johns Hopkins Center for Research um, that people at the end of life, at, you know, having end of life issues, you know what I mean? That it's really helpful for them to transition and, and the fear, take the fear away. People that are having traumas, uh, you know, they go in, they do their dive and those neuro pathways that you're talking about get changed. You know, something happens and, you know, they come out a different person. Not always, but in some cases. I, 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 I don't know because I've not done enough research on myself. And I think I know Hopkins, uh, they're, they're amazing. I know they've done their research. I just think long, longevity is what we need here mm-hmm. to completely say it's safe. And I always go back to the smoking. It was an amazing fact. It took about 25, 30 years, but we found out what damage that was doing. So is it a quick fix? Is it not? I don't know. But again, going back to if it's making life easier for somebody and their, their lowest levels here and, and what they're taking right now, he's taking them up an inch or two, then why not? You know, why not? Oh, sorry about that. My phone. Um, yeah, uh, I, I, I would agree with that too. I'm a fan of it. But I mean, I, I, I've, I've done it myself, but I've, I've never, I've never gone and, and I haven't tried the deep dive yet. Um, I just, I'm afraid of what's going, what I'm going to find out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Cause yeah, you know, yeah. I don't want to, yeah. I don't want to end up, um, you know, the wrong, the wrong switch getting flipped and, and, you know, maybe I might not come back the same person. Yes. Yeah. That's what I would be afraid of, to be honest. Because I've not got the normal brain. Who knows what happened? You'll probably find me uh, on the dark side of uh, <laughs> opening another Silk Road or something. I, I don't know. I'm just saying my mind is a yeah. dangerous place. Don't go there on its own. So you've been on some some popular uh, shows. Um, uh, Good Morning Texas, the, the Ken's Five Morning News, uh, Eye Opener, um, The Doctors. The Doctor, that's a good one. Yeah. That's a, that's yeah. a pretty big one. 18 million, I think, yeah. um, viewers normally. So yeah, love all, love all that side. I just, why the platform? You know, the, you know, I've been on all that. I was on Oprah many years ago. But the biggest one I did was a national TV show uh, going head to head with um, with Purdue Pharmaceuticals. Um, we're talking about their pain meds and everything. I was on with one of their high-flying attorneys and uh, it didn't go well for them. <clears throat> it really didn't go well for them. And the next day, solemn record this the next day they filed for bankruptcy and i just thought that was my crowning moment you know i just don't mm. think that uh, again we're not we're not the medic any medication you take is not being treated it's not being treated for the problem it, it's it's to enable a symptom mm-hmm. or to treat a symptom if i'm depressed why am i taking ssrs to stimulate the neurons and get my brain firing why am i doing that why don't i find out what's really happening and again I'm not gonna, no one's going to let that happen. No, that's how people wake up in fucking 10 foot ditches in the desert. You just can't go there. You know, all that is too powerful to fight. But I had my little, little bit of uh, victory, which I was proud of because, like I say, with tapering, amazing. Yeah. I just have one question for people out there. There were cancer victims 50, 60, 100, 200 years ago. What happened to morphine? 
where the fuck's that going? All of a sudden, now we need something a hundred times. Then we need fentanyl a thousand times. It's like yeah. they're only being made for one reason, and it isn't to treat cancer patients. I mean, it might help them a little bit more than morphine, but at the end of the day, it was good enough for my grandmother and my mother. All of a sudden, now we're being overtaken by by something you can cook in the kitchen, and pharmaceutical companies coming out with a new painkiller every freaking week. It's 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 just a joke, you know. Yeah, unfortunately, you know, we're not able to, to, it's, it, it, you would think that with all of the, um, the lawsuits and class actions and and everything that comes out of of most pharmaceutical companies, that something would be done, but nothing seems to happen. They never seem to go out of business. They never seem to lose their license. I mean, nothing happens. They just get slapped on the wrist with, you know, okay. 15 billion but you made 50 you know what i Yesterday. mean your <laughs> research you know right. you only spent 20 you know, maybe 14 <laughs> you know whatever but you still made so if it's if you're playing just a numbers game why would you not why would exactly. you care if that was my business sean i'd be doing exactly the same mm-hmm. and i'm sure you would you know if mm-hmm. you're brought up in that environment i'm not saying you know they shouldn't do it i just say in my industry it, it's it's a long fight and let's spin the tables there are people that need their medications, but they're mm-hmm. just being abused so much. There's doctors writing prescriptions. There's, uh, uh, who else we got out there? We've got psychiatrists. I, I, we did our research over here about mm-hmm. 15 years ago when I first came to America. And people were telling me about the Adderall. And uh, then Vyavans came out, how easy it was to get Adderall. And we tried 10 doctors randomly at the phone book. And all 10 of them doctors, when I walked in, didn't look up at me. And was just, uh, you know, Kelly, okay, what's the problem? Well, I can't concentrate. Okay, there's a prescription for Adderall. 10 out of 10 random doctors. Didn't even look at me. Uh, Thank you. I was out in there about 20, 25 seconds. Then I found out they've only got three minutes a patient. If they can do it in a minute to two minutes, they're writing more prescriptions out. Mm -hmm. And at one time, again, research, in Texas, you couldn't find an Adderall pill on the shelf. There's a waiting list for it. That's how bad the, the epidemic was in, in Texas. You, you, there was a, a two or three day waiting list before they all got stopped back up. It's absolutely crazy. Mm. Me- medicating our kids way too young and there will be consequences. Next medication with cell phone and, you know, stuff like that. And uh, no social skills because we're always on our phone and always on the internet, you know, and we're heading for a big crash. Not sure when that's going to come, but I hope I'm not alive to see it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> bang, baby, bang. <laughs> <laughs> All right, one last thing, Johan Hari. You familiar? Uh, a little. Yeah. Do do you do you agree with his his philosophy on uh, the the opposite of addiction is connection and the Rat Park studies? And I do. You know, I really do. I think it's huge um, because the uh, addi- addiction or alcoholism worst enemy isolation. So when we isolate, you know, that's he's kind of talking my language. You look at. Death Row, we looked at Death Row in, in the Texas prison over here, and uh, nine out of the ten people that actually ended up in the chair or electrocution was partly insane, you know. So you can see how the insanity would bring on the addiction or the alcoholism. So, yeah, I'm a great believer. We, we are human animals. Mm-hmm. There was a test done, I'm sure. I'm not sure. They, I'm, it might have been his where they put ten mice in ten different cages and in one feeder it was water and the other feeder was cocaine and water. Mm-hmm. And every single time, after testing both, every single time, all 10 mice went to the cocaine and water without a fail for about a week. And then what they did is put them all together. 
And within a couple of days, they were all drinking from the water and not the water and cocaine. Boom. Mm. That's, that's where his theory comes in, I think. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, it's amazing. All right. Well, that's awesome, man. So do you have a book? Yes. The uh, book is the last thing my daughter said to me was, Daddy, Daddy, please stop drinking. It's on Amazon. And if you're a Walmart people out there, go and get it. The $9, I, I promote the book for one reason. Uh, we don't take a dime off it. So it's not all the profits go to charity. It's every single dime on that book goes out to communities. $120,000, $150,000 last year. 10, 20 from the book. The rest come from our company as a whole, giving back to the community. So buy the book. If you don't like it, send me an email. You'll find me, Dr. Rob Kelly, any search engine. I'll refund your money as long as you send it on to somebody else to read for free. All right. I'm going to put your email up here. Uh, where can, where can people find you? Uh, other than here is, is your email, the, or not your email, but your uh, website, the best place to, to get a hold of you and all of your social media. Uh, yes. I mean, if you go on the website, robkelly.com to bees, as you can see, there's all sorts of links off there. Plus if you look carefully, there's a button on there, it gets you straight through to my cell phone. Just in case you're feeling a bit down and you want a 10-minute pep talk, it's not going to cost you anything, press that button. I'll be on the end of it. If I'm not, I'm going to call you back straight away. And uh, if you're not a Facebook guy or you don't want to jump onto our website, any search engine, just put Dr. Rob Kelly. There are thousands and thousands of interviews and podcasts and stuff. Like, you know, I, I did a great piece for Harvard University, the McLean Hospital, which is Harvard University's psych hospital. That's online. Go find it. It's pretty good. All right. And as, as always, all the links to that we talked about or things that we talked about in this podcast uh, or this episode, I will have direct links in the in the description for you to check out. Rob, I, I want to appreciate your time and thank you for coming on to the show and, and talking to me about uh, your your passion and your life. And yeah, hang out for just a second because I, I want to talk to you right after this. And for everybody else, thanks for listening. Uh, keep it 100. Stay true to yourself. Everything else is just noise. You've been listening to the Nowhere to Go But Up podcast. Sean is a single dad, a union blue collar guy, and he spent time in federal and state prison for drug trafficking and fraud. When he was released from prison in 2006, all he had was the clothes on his back, a bag of mail, and some paperwork. Since then, he's turned his life around and shares the struggles and successes on this podcast. We hope you enjoyed the show, and we hope you were moved to connect to the show. Book a guest spot. For merch, Patreon, PayPal, and social media links, go to linktr.ee slash nowhere to go but up. On Instagram at nowhere to go but up now. On Twitter at but up now. On the YouTube channel at nowhere to go but up podcast. See you next time.